Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. All glory, all honor belongs to him. Amen. Woo! Uh, I just want to thank the worship team for just ushering in the presence of God this morning. Hallelujah. I feel a shift in the house. Hallelujah. As the enemy has tried to take us out, God said, no, 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 no. God is about to elevate us. Amen. God is about to take us to that higher place. And I am so excited for the things that he wants to do. I mean, it just bubbles in my soul. I can't even sleep at night half the time because I'm just having conversations with God and just, just understanding what he's about to do and just wanting to share with that with you today just the things that God has just been pouring into my spirit. But before I do that, I just want to thank you all for your support and for your prayers, amen. My children all the way in Maryland and some here in Denver are watching online. I love you dearly. They are so concerned about me, so concerned about me getting up and speaking this morning because my knee has not healed, as you can see. Um, I don't have full movement in it, um, but the surgery and everything went well, so I'm still in the healing process, and I promise them that I was only speaking today, and if only if the Lord told me to get up again, I would speak. But we are so gifted with elders and leaders in this house that pastor has trained, that they have been trained to bring the word of God. Amen. So we're just going to be in a season where we're just hearing from God through multiple facets inside our own house. Amen. I believe it's important that we understand what God is doing is for restoration. And when people uh, don't quite get that, they will bring in other things that they think we need to do. But I want you to know that I am covered. I am not here on a solo act. I am not here trying to usurp authority. I have a covering over me. I have Dennis Jeffries, Bishop Darlington Johnson, and Bishop Donald Clay are my spiritual covering. I report to them. <laughs> they speak to me. They have the, uh, the right to ask me the tough questions. They have a right to, to go in deep. They can ask me anything they want. Bishop Clay and I had a conversation the other day, and I got spanked, and I appreciate it, amen, because if there is no correction, children will run amok, amen, and so we want to make sure that we are following God's order, and we are following God's design in this house, amen, amen. So as uh, we go forth this morning, um, I just want to, is John, I don't see him. Um, our drummer, John Polk, I did not realize that your father had passed, and I give you my condolences. Uh, we've had so many losses lately in the church. We've not just pastor, but we've lost a lot of people through the pandemic, uh, through natural causes, through accidents. Um, so, you know, I just want to offer my condolences to everyone that is just going through this. We are still going through, amen. This pandemic is not over. Our pastor and uh, good friend and pastor in Trinidad texted me this morning and said he, that they have shut it back down and that they are, you know, um, back on quarantine. So he's, he's not able to gather this morning through, you know, physically, but that um, they will be doing it via Skype or however they do it over there. But we want to be careful, amen. Although we have opened, we want to remain careful because the enemy is after us. He really is. And uh, I know that when this pandemic started, I've said this time and time again, 
that I knew God was saying something. God began speaking to me when the pandemic hit, and I was telling Pastor, mm-mm, mm-mm, there's something going on. When it first started off in China, I was just listening to it, and me, being prophetic, was buying toilet paper, paper towels, water. I was prepared. I said, oh, this thing getting ready to cross this ocean. And he would come home and he's like, what? What are you doing? What is all this? I said, no, I'm going to be ready. And one day I was outside. I saw my neighbor. I said, if you need anything, come on over. My daughter came to the house and she goes, what do I need to buy anything for? You know, because I just knew that this thing was serious and God was telling us to prepare and God is still telling us to prepare. Amen. I believe there's going to be another wave. I believe we're not fully out of this. So we want to stay safe and we want to, we want to make sure that we are following what God has told us to do. Amen. I also want to thank all the ministers and preachers that have been bringing the word. Amen. I mean, there has been some word in the house. We have not missed a beat. Liza blew me away. I was like, look at this girl. <laughs> when she spoke and she went over the the fruits um, over the full armor of God, everything that's been spoken. Bishop Johnson last week talking about uh, the transition and faith and what gets us through. And so I want you all to know that I am such a strong woman of faith. It was probably at the age of eight years old when I realized I had a gift. And I never told people because I thought, I'm kind of weird. <laughs> I would see things and I would see them come into fruition. And so I would play with God like, okay, let me test him. Let me see what's going on here. And every time I would ask God for something, it would happen. And so I began to understand, like I was that nerd kid. I was a kid that paid attention in church. I was a kid that listened to the sermon and went home and opened my Bible because I just wanted so much more of God. Because it amazed me that, you know, as you read the Bible and you here are the things and you hear the promises of God. And I'm like, God, I want that. I want to be able to do that. Why isn't the church flowing in that way? And a lot of times it's because we walk in our flesh. And I have uh, just been through enough in life and have enough faith to know that it is all about Jesus and that it is all about God. And so as God has has called me to this place, it's not a shock to me. It wasn't um, when Pastor died. Of course I grieved, of course I moaned, mourned. But at the same time, God was saying, I got you, I got you. So that morning, as Pastor was coming to give me an ice pack and he had that heart attack, the Lord said, I got you immediately. And I'm screaming for Eddie. I'm on the phone with 911. And I just kept hearing God say, I got you. I got you. And so uh, as I sat there and I was waiting for Eddie to come upstairs, I just began to just worship God. And so I had had the surgery. And I'm telling you, it was an Ichabob situation in our house for those first seven days. I mean, just the presence of the Lord was nowhere to be found through worship, through word, through music. I was just like, what is going on? And I tell Pastor, um, I didn't know if it was the drugs or what, but I was like, do you feel something? I mean, it was just such a coldness that had come into the house. And I just began to try and pray, like, what is this? What is this? And I began to remember when he was sick with cancer and we were in the hospital at St. Joseph's and uh, the doctors that came in and announced that he had uh, a mass size of a softball 
and if they did not remove it, he would not, he would not survive within the next couple of hours. And so as I was standing there, he said, look, he looked at the door and a black cloud began to come into the room, a black shadow. And he asked me, do you see that? Do you see that? And I was like, no, I don't see anything. Thinking, okay, they got him high too, so maybe it's just the drugs. I don't know. And so uh, he said, no, do you see it? And then he just began to just, whoa, do you see this angel that just came in and just moved this darkness out of the place, out of, out of the way? And so I'm getting a little jealous, like, I don't see none of that, <laughs> you know. What is going on? But it was that same feeling that day as he was laying on the floor. Eddie had not made it up the stairs yet. I'm on the phone with 911, and immediately that darkness went away. And a peace that just surpasses understanding came over me. And I'm looking at him, and he's no longer talking. He's motionless and I'm fussing of course like you need to go to the doctor because he had been lightheaded he had just been kind of feeling really crazy and I was telling him you need to go to the doctor you need to go get checked up and uh, just happened that two weeks ago prior to his uh, prior to my surgery he had gone in for his annual physical and the doctor had told him when he walked in the room he came home and he said the doctor looked at me like whoa wow, you're a working miracle. How in the world did you survive what you survived? And he told him, nothing but God, nothing but God. He says, technically, you should be dead. Everything in here, everything in your files says that you should have passed. And so he came home and he told me that and told me that they wanted to do a sleep apnea test. And I was like, amen, because you do not sleep. Uh, but he just wouldn't do it because he didn't want the mask on his face. And then the doctor told him, you know, we're getting some blood counts and you need to come in and let's do a CAT scan on your kidney because your levels are off. So he told him, I'll just wait. My wife's about to have surgery and I'll wait till afterwards. So he has this heart attack. And the next day, here comes a letter from Kaiser that says, you did not open your, we see that you did not open your email. And we want to, you know, we want to inform you that your levels are really high. Your cholesterol, everything was off. And they said, you are in high risk of a heart attack. Mm. And I just read the letter and I said, well, a day late and a dollar short. And I began to wonder, why did he not open his email? Why did he, you know, he always was on top of his health. And I was, why didn't he open his email? Why, God, is this letter coming a day late and a dollar short. And God says, because his mission is completed. Amen. He said, if you had known, I know you, you would have begged me. You would have worried me. You would have called me to do what I did 13 years ago. But at this point in time, he has completed his, his task. He has done everything that I designed and that I destined him to do. So now I must take him home because it's your turn. It's your turn to step up. It's our turn to step up and to begin to do what God has called us to do. Pastor has trained, pastor has equipped, pastor has done everything that we needed to do. And I was just thinking, you know what, if he was still here, 
We would probably still be a pastor-dependent church. We would probably be still, still looking for him to lead, for him to move us forward. When God says, no, I'm ready for you all to move. So this morning, we are at Kadesh Burnham. Amen? We are at the place, right at Shittim, the place where God is about to cross us over. We are at the Jordan, and like Moses, God told Moses, you will not cross over. You've prepared the people. You've done everything you can, everything that I've, I've asked you to do. Now it's up to the people to begin to do what we want, what, what I would have you to do. So we're, we're in the middle of a Kairos moment, a moment designed by God, a moment destined by God to do great things. Kairos is a Greek word. It simply means time. As we look, we're getting ready to go into summertime. There's so many definitions of what time represents. But a Kairos moment is a God-ordained moment. And we are in a God-ordained moment. In my bedroom, when Pastor passed, it was a God-ordained moment. And I began to just, you know, my kids were worried. My kids were screaming. Everybody was going crazy. And I said to myself, oh, my goodness, he's dead. Wow. Okay, God. And the Lord began to speak to me as well as Felix's spirit was speaking to me. And I just sat there and I just began to worship God. And I know it was a Kairos moment and I knew that it was ordained by God because it was exactly 930 when he started to go downstairs to get on a Zoom call with our chief of staff, Brother Davis. And I had just been miserable <laughs> the whole time with my knee. And that morning I woke up and I felt like, okay, my knee's not hurting so bad. I asked him to make me some oatmeal. He gave me that, oh my God, I got a cook look. And um, I started laughing and I said, um, he goes, well, I got a Zoom call. And I said, what time's the Zoom call? 10 o'clock, I said, oh, you got plenty of time to make oatmeal. And so he goes in the bathroom to get the ice pack and comes back and um, that's when God called him home. And I said to myself, I said, okay, Eddie didn't hear me calling, called 911 and they came and they tried to resuscitate him. They worked on him for almost 40, no, over an hour, over an hour they worked on him. So I was reading his death certificate and the death certificate said that he died of a heart attack. And the time of death was 9.35. The announcement when they called the death was at 11.15. And I said to myself, God, you took him before I could even call Eddie's name, before I could even think to move off of this bed, which I did try and my niece said, no, we're not. You called him immediately. The coroner told me that he did not suffer, that God took him immediately. And one of the most beautiful things is that the presence of God was so thick that all five of the uh, paramedics stood around his body and began to pray. It was nothing but God. I have never seen anything like that before. Five strong men surrounding my husband's body and sending him away in prayer. It was such a peace. All of them were just so, 
thanking me for, you know, just the experience and just saying, this is a different call. This is different, you know. They were so kind and so gentle with us. And um, as uh, my son got in and he went immediately to the corner and he wanted to go in and see his dad and she was like, no, I can lose my license. Absolutely not. You're not supposed to even be on the property. But she allowed him to go over to the building and just lay his hands on the, the building as he prayed and as he mourned. And when she called me, she was just like, you all are such nice people. My husband, her husband was the, the, uh, the one who came and picked the coroner, who came and picked him up. And she goes, my husband came home and she said, there was just something different about him. And he was saying how nice that it was, how kind we were to him, how this was an easy transition for him because he felt the presence of God. And so I was just so grateful for that. And so I just want to just tell you all thank you because it's the prayers of the righteous that allow me to stand here. It's the prayers of the righteous that are keeping my family, amen. I am only strong because of my faith. I am only strong because of your prayers. You know, I've walked through a lot in life. And so I know many of you all don't know my story but I will share pits and pieces of it today. I don't have this big ideal type sermon today. God just told me to just get up and speak to you from my heart. And so, as I said, as a child, I knew there was something different about me. <laughs> I just knew it. Um, God would speak to me in such profound ways. And so when I met Pastor Gilbert, I had never dated never been out and my roommate was driving me insane for about a year about meeting this guy Felix he is, you all are the perfect couple you know so I finally did meet him and I believe at the moment we met I knew that we knew that we were meant to be um, and so I was still on campus at the U of A still doing my studies I wanted to be a lawyer I love the law <laughs> I just, I just like, obey the law, you'll be okay. Obey the words in the Bible, obey the Ten Commandments, you're, you'll be good. And so I would come home on, on weekends, and when I would come home, he'd be in there having Bible study with my dad. All, almost every weekend, or even throughout the week, guaranteed, oh yeah, I stopped by your mom and dad's house. And I was like, what? You know, and him and my dad had this awesome relationship, so my dad was like, marry him immediately, get married to him. But we waited. We waited almost three years uh, before uh, we, I said I do. But in all of that, when I first met him, the Lord told me, this is not an ordinary guy. And God began to show me what he wanted to do through us. And so as I would share with Felix and he would share with me, we were just like, us? Because, you know. We still, we still clubbing, we still, you know, we're in our 20s, we doing our thing, we're, we're enjoying life. Uh, and we have the freedom in Christ to do that, we behaved ourselves. But God began to just show me the things that he wanted to do through us. And so as we pursued our careers and we went and we moved forward, God was just blessing us. This is in the early 80s and you got two 20 year olds making a six figure household income. We were just rotten to the core. It was a blessings of God, but it was just just favor on us. 
Um, but I never allowed that to become my focus because I knew where my help was coming from. Anyway, so when we get up here and uh, we get restoration started, restoration was broken out of a broken marriage, a totally broken marriage. Uh, and Bishop Clay had walked us through it and he had spoken a prophetic word one Sunday when we were at our other church. And I came home and I told my husband, it's time for us to leave. It's time for us to go. We gotta, we gotta leave this place. This is not the place that God has called us to. And he, like a man, is like, I'm not leaving. I just built this building. You know, I've done this, I've done that. I'm not going to leave. And I kept saying, yeah, God's telling us to go. And I was begging him, like, come on, let's go. Well, he didn't want to go, so I just quit going to church. I said, well, me and the kids will be at home. And when it hits you, let me know. <laughs> so I quit going to the church because it just was not the right place. And things were getting really nasty and ugly. So soon after, we started Restoration Christian Fellowship. And what God had just placed on our heart is pretty much the same vision that was um, introduced at our other church, but because of piousness, because of just people not wanting, you know, just being in their own ways, pastor was homeless. So he knew what that felt like. He was homeless for a year as a, as a senior, but he persevered. And so his heart has always been for the underdog always been we have had more people live with us we have opened our doors to strangers because he says I know what that feels like and I want to do something about it and so as we got to um, to restoration those visions and dreams that we had began to come true and so the fact that the day before he died the safe parking and the tiny homes and all that he had envisioned, all the things that God had told him came forth. And I was like, God, you let him have a glimpse of it, but he didn't see it. But now he's in heaven and he sees it fully. <laughs> he sees the vision fully. And I'm just, I'm so proud of him. So today marks 47 days from his death. 47, as I was reading, means a new era, a new beginning. And I was like, isn't that strange, God, that you would have me speak on the day you want to do something new, that you want to prove yourself. And so as, as me and my family mourn and we hurt, God's still speaking to us loud and clear. And I want you all to know it's not about the Gilberts, it's about us. It's about what God has given us. So when Bishop Johnson was talking the other night, or the, or the last week, and I was sitting there and he was going through uh, Hebrews 11 and talking about faith and talking about all that God had done in Felix's life. Eddie, if you would get that uh, cued and I will just tell you, as I was sitting on that bed, I saw a vision of my husband. He was asking me, Katani, do you want me to stay? I'm so sorry. I didn't think it would end like this. Do you want me to stay? And on this end, in, the, in this, that moment was a real time moment. And then I hear God saying, I got you. I got you. And he's like, Katani, answer me. And I'm like, mm -mm, 
Nope, not, absolutely not. I'm not going to answer that question because it's not my place to answer that question. And he's like, if you want me to stay, I'll stay. Simultaneously, my son, who lives in Maryland, my youngest son, Jeremiah, who spoke at the service, began to say some of the same things that he was saying to me, um, I found out later. And so as I'm laying there, uh, God's just saying, I got you. And then I had this vision of my husband running towards me, handing me something and saying, baby, it's your turn. It's your turn. I had a vision a few days later and it was his Bible. And he was passing it along and saying, it's your turn. So God has passed the baton to us as a church, as people of God. We, are, we have been summoned to that great racetrack. And like a relay, we have got to stay in our lanes. We've got to understand this is a God-ordained moment for us. We've got to heal. We can't be crossing over into each other's lanes. We've got to physically train ourselves, spiritually train ourselves to understand what God is about to do. The baton has been passed. As in a track race, do not drop it and get disqualified. That means that we as a people need to heal. We as a people need to love. We as a people need to get in our closets and get before God and say, God, I have this issue that I can't get past. It keeps repeating and repeating. But God is saying to you, I will heal you of every one of your infirmities. I will heal you of every one of your generational curses. I will heal you from disease. I will heal you because I love you and I have chosen you. And God wants me to tell you today that whatever you're going through, whether you're homeless, whether you're having spousal issues, whether you have a wayward child, whether you're having a medical issue, God is here in this place and God has chosen us to be the house of restoration. Amen? The house where people can come in and people can feel loved. The house where people can come in and be healed. The house where people can come in and get a word. And it's not to pack up our house. It's not to make us a mega church, but it's a place of healing. It's a place of restoration. Once you get restored, God will send them out and others will come. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the uh, people in the upper room, upon the saints in the upper rooms, when he came, there was a moment of people who were surrendered to God. They weren't in that upper room fighting. They weren't in that upper room jockeying for positions. They weren't in that upper room saying, when are we going to open up the pulpit? When are we going to do this? When are we gonna? They were in that upper room praying and waiting to hear from the word of the Lord. We need to get in the upper room. We need to get in a place of solitude. We need to get in a place of healing. We are dealing with a pandemic that has separated our church. We're dealing with 
people who have lost people to COVID. We're dealing with people who are sick with COVID. We are dealing with people who have lost family members, multiple family members. We are dealing with a lot in this world. And now we've lost our pastor. But God still says, I got you. God still says, I love you. God still says, I want to heal you. So let us get in the place of worship. Get in the place where we meet God. If you do not understand it, trust me, I know where you're at. There was a time when I did not understand the concept of worship. I would go to church, they'd play feel, feel good music, we'd shout, and then I'd come home and about a week later, maybe a day later, maybe an hour later, I find myself on that treadmill again, just walking but going nowhere. It wasn't until God broke me that I began to understand what worship is. I began to understand God is real. <laughs> he does talk to you. And I knew that because I had heard his voice. But now I hear it so clearly because I stay in his presence. It's where I want to be. I would just love to go home and just wrap myself in my room and be like, yeah, okay, what y'all need? But God says, no, 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 no. I gifted you to teach others what worship means. I've gifted you to teach people how to get over whatever they need to get over. I'm the one that will address the elephant in the room. I'm the one that will say, oh, you're offended? Let's talk. I'm the one that, that wants people to really get a healing really understand that you know yeah we'll say two things things to each other we'll talk out the side of our mouth we might get a little disruptive but at the end of the day as brothers and sisters and as a family we need to come together you remember when you were a kid and you were fighting with your siblings and your mother would make you guys hold hands and she said just sit there and hold hands just don't even move and you would have to hold hands for hours and you would you would learn to say I'm sorry not just I'm sorry, but I offended you and I'm sorry. And you begin to learn how to feel what that other person felt. That's where we need to get to. You don't, we don't know each other's issues. We don't know each other's pains. You might say something that gives them a flashback and not even realize it. But God is saying, I want you all to create intimate relationship. Amen intimate relationships and I know that this pandemic has so spread us apart so my heart's desire is for healing my heart's desire is for us to take time to mourn mourn our pastor's death mourn our issues bring them before the Lord and let's get healed so that we can come out a mighty force there's no way on earth God isn't going to allow us to cross the Jordan in the state that we're in right now. And some people be like, ooh, what is she talking about? I understand. <laughs> I understand the, the dynamics of people. I understand the pains of people. And God is telling me, tell them to prepare themselves to cross over. As Joshua addressed the elders and the community, and it was over millions of people, okay? It wasn't just, you know, little restoration. He had billions of people to deal with, hallelujah. And he began to give, give um, instructions on what they wanted to do and he says and in, in Joshua he says you have never 
gone this way before. You've never ventured here. What I'm about to do is something that you need to prepare yourselves for. So let's begin to prepare ourselves through fasting, through prayer, through healing. One of the things that Lord spoke to me is that we as a church have come back inside the building, but we need to go back outside of the building. We need to get out so that our members that don't feel safe can come and enjoy a praise in the park, can enjoy a volleyball game after church, after church can enjoy some hot dogs can enjoy our new friends over in the parking lot that, that can enjoy each other's presence and, comp and company because as a church we need to be a whole we can't in this just the people that are, are now feeling free enough to come in here receive the blessing but all of those who are online also need to participate in that so my heart's desire is to open up Wednesday nights again where we can come, we can have some food, we can have some worship out in connections, or we can go outside the building and just begin to just pray. It's not about me. There is prophetic word in you. There's declarations in you. There are things that God has told you. And like me, I would just hold it back. But God is saying during this season, it is time for us as a body of Christ to begin to heal, to be begin to declare the word of the Lord and to begin to to understand each other and know each other in an intimate way there is nothing better than a relationship an intimate relationship with Christ I'm telling you it will it will change your focus and your thinking when someone offends you you won't be looking at them sideways or saying okay I got you I'm getting ready to up you on this and, and you bring back a memory or you do something God is like you just walk away and you just pray. And at the opportune moment, you just go up and hug them and say, you know what? I'm sorry for whatever I did or whatever imagination or whatever thought I brought into your memory. Please forgive me. I love you. You are my brother. You are my sister. So as God takes us to this place of healing, we need to prepare ourselves. Amen. Joshua had the men circumcise themselves. Women, we need to circumcise ourselves too. Circumcise our hearts. Circumcise those things that just get on our nerves. I mean, we'll come in the church and we'll just see someone and get mad about it. Like, what are you mad about it for? They got issues just like you. And if God opened up your closet <laughs> and exposed you while you're sitting up there talking about their business, God says, I'm in the season of revealing. And I will reveal if you don't. For me, I heard a, a message from my bishop. And it said, your breakthrough is just beyond the border of your failures. And I was like, God, I'm tired of failing. I'm tired of this cycle. And I told God, sitting on my back porch, whatever it takes to get me to this place, I allow it. I invite it. Now, did I know that that part of that would be the death of my husband? No. Did I know that part of it would be restoration, losing his their pastor? No. But I accept it because I know for me what God has gifted me with, and I know that I have not been doing what God called me to do on a consistent basis. 
So it is time for us to use our gifts to heal and to make this a true house of restoration. I love you all so much. Thank you. I just ask that you give me the time to heal, give my family the time to heal and mourn. My knee is on fire right now because it's still healing and I need that time. But I wanna thank our elders, our executive elders. I wanna thank Brother Wayne for stepping up. We have a great team, I'm telling y'all. We have a dynamic team. Do we get on each other's nerves? Yeah, you know, that's life. Do we say crazy things to each other? Yeah, me and Brenda made a comment to Derek the other day and he was just like, oh, okay, y'all coming at me like that. But he knows we love him. We, he knows that we don't mean harm in it. And that's the place that we gotta get to, that we don't mean harm when we say something wrong, but that we love each other deeply. So I'm asking you to begin to fast. I'm asking you to begin to pray. I'm asking you to get into the presence of God because we have not crossed this way before. And when we get to the other side, you will look back and give God a praise and give God the glory for what he has done for us. Restoration will be a house of healing, a house of prayer, and a house of worship. I love you so much. God bless you. Thank you.